man, you know, typically I try not to like pay attention to this kind of stuff, like what we've been seeing with Jackson Mahomes, the brother of Patrick, and you know what he does on TikTok, the clout chasing, the dancing. I know that I'm not the target audience for this kind of thing, so I just usually like let it let it go. But like, can you just explain it to me as somebody who I know, you know, you're on TikTok, like you're aware of this stuff. Like, what is the appeal? Why does this man have nearly a million followers? Like, what do people get out of this? I mean, they get the satisfaction of interacting with a superstar's brother, right? And Obviously, that's how he got his clout is off of the Mahomes name. It's easy to when your brother is the best quarterback in the NFL. So that's the how. The why is people just like to dog on this man. And, you know, if you're on social media, the number one thing that you want is engagement, right? That boosts everything. Negative or positive engagement is good. So when people are just consistently commenting on his TikToks, that only boosts him and that only makes him more popular, albeit, you know, he's not even over a million followers. So he's kind of nothing in in terms of TikTok stars, but he's well known and he kind of gets dogged for his lack of self-awareness. But I definitely think that is strategic and he definitely portrays himself as like a clueless kid. But in reality, he just wants the clout. That's all this is. He just wants attention. He wants to grow his brand. He wants to grow his social media. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day for a majority of people is they'll just do whatever they can and act however they can to grow a following and you know build a brand for themselves so it's just man it's so so cringy dude and like especially the latest one that that i saw creep across twitter where you know mahomes wife is twerking you know he's dancing offbeat to some song and mahomes just got his head down you know probably still dealing with a concussion and just probably contemplating the aaron Rodgers life path where it's like cut off the fam and and move on and remain focused i feel like that's what i would be doing in mahomes situation <laughs> Your wife's twerking on camera. Your brother's acting a fool. Like, he's just trying to order some steak and potatoes, bro. He's not trying to see all this. (laughs) Be pretty easy to cut them off, but, you know, I don't think he's the same level of psychopath that Rogers is, or at least not yet. So, would count that out for the time being, but who knows? Maybe in in the future, he might disown uh, Jackson Mahomes, and then Jackson won't have any clout to leech from. But until then... We got to deal with uh, his TikToks and him being in the NFL, you know, circle, the NFL news and having his videos pop up on fantasy Twitter. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, it's probably nothing new for you, right? Like you follow him, don't you? Like you're one of his 900K followers on TikTok. Like you go in to check for that on the daily, no? <laughs> <laughs> you must be out your damn mind. <laughs> if you think I'm following Jackson Mahomes on, on TikTok. Okay. Okay. Just had to check. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 174 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down week eight in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective, going to talk some slate specifics, what the Vegas lines are telling us about the week, go over some of the projected chalk for the week, and of course, close things out with leverage stacks and long shots, everything you need to know to have a good chance at banking a tournament this week. 
If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. However, this week, I will say we are shifting our schedule a little bit. The live stream is going to be on Friday nights. I repeat, Friday night this week for the late night live stream. So make sure you come by and check that out. Lastly, our Discord channel is open and available. The link to join that is in the description to the podcast. Joey? We got a full slate this time, 12 games, more than we've had in the past handful of weeks, yet somehow the number of quality games remains pretty low at first glance. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the story uh, throughout the NFL over the last couple of weeks is just the lack of overall good games. And honestly, if I wasn't gambling, I would not care to watch any one of these games this week. Like, I have no interest in watching you know, the the Rams beat down the Texans or the Eagles and Lions or the Jags and Seahawks. Ugh, God, the, these games are, are horrible. The three highest total games in week eight are the Island games. So we're looking at, you know, a low totaled slate this week, some bad game environments, but we get some of the good teams back on the main slate. So looking forward to that and, you know, look, looking forward to trying and trying to bank a gpp this week gotta gotta get a bank down i too would like to bank a tournament this week as we've seen the slates like appearing to be low scoring from vegas perspectives haven't really stopped like high scoring weeks in terms of DraftKings. like certain players are still getting there i imagine that would be the case again this week but yeah certainly a very unappealing slate of real life nfl games and I mean, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I would say that over the last like year and a half, like I would care for like 10% of NFL games if I didn't have money on them, maybe even less. It's just, that's the way that things are going these days in the NFL. So thank God for DFS and fantasy to give us some sort of interest in the sport at this point. But, you know, just, just shifting over to like a Vegas perspective and what we're seeing, it is a 12 game main slate with eight games early and four games in the afternoon. Like last week, we have two games with totals above 50. The top five implied team totals this week, Buffalo 31 and a half, the Rams 31 and a quarter, then a bit of a steep drop off to Tampa Bay at 27.75. We've got the Chargers at 27 and Cincinnati at 26.75. What's standing out to you from from this uh, slate in a Vegas uh, sense? Yeah, I mean, the the good teams have the high totals this week, and you're just going to play those teams. And, you know, we'll talk about it later in the show we'll get to tournaments but bro i'm just gonna play the rams i'm just gonna play the bucks and that's it that's all you got to do in 2021 like we can sit here and talk about all these other totals and all these other games and whatnot but if you want to win money just play the bucks play the rams they have two of the highest implied team totals on the slate two two of the best teams in the nfl play the bills all these other games are just terrible from a Vegas sense. There's, what, two games with totals above 50 on the main slate. That is the Titans-Colts game and the Bucks saints game. The The rest are, are below 50, obviously. Got a couple low 40 total games in there. And we have a game with a total under 40 on this slate. So from a Vegas perspective, the spots are easy to identify. And, 
You you just have to hammer those spots, I think. Yep, I, I mean, I agree with you for sure. Bucks Rams Bill seems like the way to win this week, and, and I think most ways this year. Talking some chalk, we can start off at the running back position, and I think that one of the higher-owned plays this week, one of the popular options people are going to gravitate towards is Kenneth Gainwell for the Eagles at 5K flat. Miles Sanders is highly unlikely to play in this game. Gainwell came in after Sanders' injury in the last week and sort of had the the role that we look to see. He had eight targets on the week, but his underlying usage was also better than Boston Scott. He had 35 snaps to Scott's 23, ran 24 routes to Scott's 12. So I think Kenny Gainwell is the guy in this spot, but I don't know. How are you feeling about him as potential chalk in week eight? Yeah, he's 5000 on DraftKings, so it's a pretty solid price. He's going up against one of the worst run defenses in the NFL in the Detroit Lions, so it's a good spot for Kenneth Gainwell. I just don't have much confidence that he is going to be, you know, the sole workhorse in that offense. I think Boston Scott is going to mix in quite a bit. You know, you mentioned the usage, which favors Gainwell, but I think just from, you know, a pure rushing standpoint, I think we could definitely project Boston Scott to see more attempts on the ground and Kenneth Gainwell get the like valuable touches through the air. And it's a cheap price tag. I just think with Gainwell, the the range of outcomes is a little too wide for cash. Maybe that might change. Maybe we get some reports later in the week. But as it stands right now, I mean, he's in consideration, but I, I don't think he is a stone lock, but he should come with ownership on Sunday. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I was kind of thinking the same thing. It might be one of those scenarios where, I mean, he's massive chalk and it's a it's sort of a scary fade at 5K, but I don't think that he's necessarily like a lock. Like you said, I think that there's definitely some some potential outcomes in this game where he fails. You know, a lot of his value came from the eight targets. And if the Eagles are winning this entire game, I'm not sure how much of a factor he's going to be in that sense. I mean, Boston Scott is a capable backup. He's come in before when Miles Sanders was out and been utilized. No, it's a different coaching staff. I know they didn't have Gainwell before. So things are obviously different from that perspective. But yeah, I mean, like you said, really wide range of outcomes, I think, with Gainwell. And I mean, he's setting up to be a, a pretty interesting fade, I think, especially in tournaments. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about how to handle him in tournaments a little bit later. As far as some other running backs that are in cash game consideration, you know, Daryl Henderson once again stands out, even got a price decrease last week after disappointing uh in the box score yeah henderson is 6500 this week so it gets a hundred dollar price decrease going on the road against houston and we just know that daryl henderson's usage is elite it's one of the best in the nfl it's obviously a great spot for the rams as huge favorites houston will not be able to put up a fight Daryl Henderson is a great play. I think he is where you start your cash game lineups once again for the third straight week. You know, going to play Daryl Henderson in cash. And I don't know, I I think he's a pretty obvious play. We've talked about him so much over the last couple of weeks and, you know, nothing has changed. He still had 18 touches last week, 21 potential opportunities, gets targeted in the past game. Like his role is just so good. So you're starting your uh, lineup off with him. Yep. Uh, Second highest implied team total on the slate. 14 and a half point favorites. Not much needs to be said about Hendo's spot going up against Houston. And then other than that, where do you sort of see people gravitating towards uh, at the running back position in cash games? Yeah, so 
it, it's still early, so I think it's definitely up in the air. But Derrick Henry will always have ownership, especially with you know the the record pace that he's on uh, for the season, eighty nine hundred. So got a little bit of a price decrease. So I definitely think he he will have ownership. Not really gonna talk about Derrick Henry too much. We all know he's great. Other than that, I think it's going to be a discussion of which running back in the six K range do you prefer? You know, as your RB two, and if you're running you know, a three running back build, who who would you prefer as your RB3s? And my leans as potential guys that are cash game viable would be Hubbard again at 6K. think his role is pretty solid, although he did cede some work to Royce Freeman and the Panthers offense has obviously kind of taken a turn for the worse without CMC, but it's a good spot for Hubbard going up against Atlanta. I think the upper tier of the 6K, like James Robinson, Joe Mixon, should have decent ownership. DeAndre Swift, who's 7-1, he should have decent ownership as well. But I, I, I really do think there, there will be some ownership on these guys in the lower 5K range as well, like Eli Mitchell and Khalil Herbert. Right now, they're both 5,400 salary savers at the running back position, and you know they, they get you uh, some more guaranteed opportunity off of Kenny Gainwell for a couple hundred dollars more. So I think one of those two guys will be in play too. Yeah, I guess it'll depend on how badly we need the salary. It's just like you mentioned, we did have a we do have a game this week that's, you know, under a 40 total and that's the game. Both running backs that you mentioned are in this game with a total of 39 and a half. I mean, the Bears offense is broken. We saw, you know, Herbert still managed to get there, but I mean, you know, Damian Williams came back off the COVID list late in the week. I think he could be re-involved a little bit more this week and it's like, I don't know, I just I just don't like the situation for either of those guys. I think that they will be in play, but it's like, you know, do you go there or do you go up a little bit to Miles Gaskin, who's got 20 targets over the last three weeks? Or do you go down to Zach Moss, who, you know, could score a couple touchdowns easily for cheaper in one of the best offenses in the league? It's like, I I just, I don't like that range necessarily. I really don't like that game and and getting exposure to it in cash games. Like I, I would personally prefer to find myself in the range that you mentioned prior. Like I like James Robinson's spot against Seattle. They have a terrible run defense defense right now Robinson has really fully overtaken that job in the, in the last game he was the only running back to handle a carry you know Carlos Hyde fully phased out of the offense and you know we just saw how bad the Jets run defense is against the Patriots and Joe Mixon sets up really well with Cincinnati having a healthy total and being favored pretty heavily so I do like that range and of course DeAndre Swift whose role is just so valuable he's an absolute machine on DraftKings right now yeah no those those guys are definitely good plays don't really know which one is going to be chalk just because we've seen it over the last seven weeks of the season that the ownership really doesn't get out of control with these guys that are like priced in the in this weird range of like 69 to, to 75 7600 like that's usually where you get the ownership leverage is with these running backs priced up but with the lack of running back options this week again I could definitely see ownership going to Joe Mixon who is going up against the Jets it's a good spot for him although Joe Mixon I think is is boomer bust at this point so honestly I probably wouldn't play him in cash albeit it is a great spot but 6900 I, I don't know I I'm just probably never playing Joe Mixon. The other running backs are getting some opportunity. Joe Mixon only has a 7% target share on the season, which is the worst of you know these running backs in this range. So probably wouldn't consider Mixon in cash. DeAndre Swift is great. James Robinson, um, I, I don't think we're really discussing him much, but he's definitely in play. He should see 
18 to 20 touches in, in a good spot against Seattle, although they are going on the road. So I think my, my lean would definitely be James Robinson over these guys and take the salary uh, savings that you get. But DeAndre Swift is a great play this week as well. So yeah, and for 7,500, Najee Harris, I think, has to be in consideration too. Just his role has been so, so valuable this season. He never comes off the field. He's involved as a pass catcher. And I mean, at 7,500, I, I mean, I think you're just sort of getting a discount because of the situation and it's not great right now with the Steelers. But I mean, Harris's usage is absolutely elite, as good or better than anybody else in the league right now. His usage is the best in the NFL right like you said he's never coming off of the field just kind of goes back to my point where this range is tricky because you know it kind of changes the construction of your lineup right if you're going if you're going stars and scrubs which is a which is a great cash game strategy in in most weeks you know you're just going up to Derrick Henry you're, you're gonna play a stone star or you're going up to Camara. The, this range is one of the trickier ranges from a DraftKings perspective. So it'd be hard to play him, in my opinion, in cash. I probably won't, although he is a great play every week for everything that you mentioned. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I just can't play him, but he, he's a fine cash game play. At the quarterback position, I think we're expecting ownership to consolidate around Jalen Hurts this week. He's, he's basically, you know, I mean, we talk about it week in and week out. You know all the reasons you like Jalen Hurts. You know, he struggles every week. He gets there every week in fantasy, and and I don't see this week being any different. I guess the only concern that I would raise with Jalen Hurts is, like, this week particularly, there might not be a need for, like, garbage time comeback mode Jalen Hurts points because they could be winning this game pretty easily i think and and i don't know but i guess in that scenario jalen hurts still gets there yeah no he he definitely still gets there in any scenario the game's close they're blowing them out if they're down jalen hurts is still gonna get there 7200 so you're getting a little bit of a discount off of Josh Allen, who is projecting, you know, as the best quarterback play on the slate, $900 could do quite a bit with that in your cash game lineup. And, you know, you're sacrificing a little bit, obviously, in terms of ceiling, and then you're sacrificing a lot in terms of talent. But Jalen Hurts rushing equity is just so good. It's a good spot. And honestly, the Lions have been playing teams close. Like if you look at their, you know, most recent games, they played the Rams close. They played the Bengals close. They played the Vikings close. Like they're not getting blown out right now I'm not expecting the Eagles you know a trash team to come out and dominate the Lions I, I think that'd be a bad assumption to have uh, just because the Eagles are maybe a tier above the Lions at this point so it should be a close game Jalen Hurts should feast and he's the best cash game quarterback play on the slate in my opinion and doesn't get much easier than locking 20 plus points into your lineup like yeah, Jesus. no, you're you're not wrong. And <clears throat> the value I think at quarterback this week is highly suspect. So like I, I really don't see any viable pay down options. So I do think that you're kind of looking at Jalen Hurts and you know, if you have some extra salary, like I wouldn't fault anybody for getting up to Josh Allen. He's quite clearly, I think, the best play on the board from like just a raw mm-hmm. points perspective and like a projection standpoint and a floor ceiling combination. So like Josh Allen would definitely be my preferred lean. It'll just come down to how clutch that 900 is in cash games. And, and I guess we'll have a better understanding of that come the Friday night live stream. It's really all we have to talk about, I think, for cash games at quarterback. Nobody else is, is really in consideration at wide receiver. 
Cooper Cup is officially 9K. He's officially the highest priced wide receiver on the slate. Finally, DraftKings prices him, you know, appropriately. And yet I still feel like he's like a stone lock, you know, even at 9K. No cup, no cash has been a motto to live by this season. And I don't I don't see the spot against Houston providing anything different. Yeah, I mean, not much needs to be said about Cooper Cup. He just has one of the best roles right now in the NFL. It's not looking like that's going to stop anytime soon. Matt Stafford is keyed in on Cooper Cup, and they're playing Houston. <laughs> like, how can you not play him? That that's the that's the question. Can you fade Cooper Cup in cash this week? Absolutely not. I don't think you can fade Cooper Cup. I mean, until he's like 11K, I'm jamming him in. He's he's the first player in my lineup every week. Like. It's just that simple. Yeah, I saw I saw a pretty good comparison in that 2021 Cooper Cup is 2019 Michael Thomas. Yeah. So it's 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 hard to to fade Cup, and obviously you can you can fade him in tournaments, but in, in cash games the floor is just so high. This dude breaks every slate that he's a part of. Obviously, down games are you know in the range of outcomes. He scored 11 against Arizona, 16 against Seattle, but the usage was still great. You know, in that Arizona game, he had 13 targets. Seattle game, he had 10 targets. Didn't score a touchdown, but Jesus. Cooper Cup in this spot, he should smash again. So it's just wheels up for for Cooper Cup. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, nothing else really needs to be said there. But I do think that to you know justify paying up for a nine k wide receiver, we're gonna have to find some value at the position. So who do you think people are gonna gravitate towards in cash games for salary relief this week? Yeah, I think there's a couple options at the bottom of the wide receiver pool. I don't think there's anything below four k, so we won't talk about that. For looking at let's say 4,500 to 5,500. We'll we'll just do that range. I think Jerry Judy stands out at 4,900 at home against Washington. We know Washington is a pass funnel. This season, Jerry Judy is coming off of IR, off of that high ankle sprain. He hasn't played since week one, so he's been out almost two months. He should be good to go, I think. It is kind of risky, obviously. There's been a long history of players coming off of high ankle sprains and not producing at the same level they were before. So that's definitely something to keep in mind, but he is very cheap. He has a quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater that, you know, kind of favors throwing those short intermediate routes where Jerry Judy works. So he's kind of standing out to me. Another wide receiver that I think is in play is T Higgins at 5,200. The box scores haven't been there, but the underlying usage is great. He had 15 targets against Baltimore. The Bengals are starting to throw the ball a little bit more. They're starting to run more plays. And T. Higgins is currently first on the Bengals in terms of target share at 27%. Jamar Chase is at 24%. You're getting, you know, an elite target share at 5,200. And T. Higgins, you know, isn't a scrub. I think those are the two guys that are standing out to me right now, but that could de- that could definitely change. And then I, I guess I'll mention LaVisca Chanel. I guess, I guess he's in play, but... I don't I don't know if I would play him. <laughs> yeah, I like Visco. Visco's obviously got a wide range right now, but I guess they're sort of changing his role. Reportedly, Jamal Agnew is going to be the slot guy now, and, and you know, Visco's going to remain the X receiver in, in lieu of uh, DJ Chark's absence. So it's going to be like, you know, Jones and Visco on the outside with Agnew 
in the slot, which I think just adds to the variance of Chenault. It, it, you know, it reduces the floor on the types of receptions he's going to be getting, but boosts his ceiling a little bit. So I think Chenault's interesting at 4,700, but that to me is more of like a tournament play. I think you, I mean, you hit it, the nail on the head there, Jerry Judy at 4,900 and T Higgins, definitely my favorite play in this range. I think that, you know, we just have to see some regression in terms of, you know, the opportunity he's gotten compared to the production that he's been posting. The targets have been looking amazing and you get a 2,300 dollar discount off of Jamar Chase in a great spot. So Higgins to me definitely stands out at 5,200. I also like Michael Pittman going up against an abysmal Tennessee secondary. I mean, you might not know it based on how the Chiefs played him last week, but this remains a horrible pass defense. And Michael Pittman has been doing nothing but producing all year. They don't really have anybody else in the wide receiver core there in Indy. And it it is one of the two games with a total above 50. So 5,300 for Michael Pittman is a good price and he has a good role as well. Yeah, I definitely think Michael Pittman is a pretty solid play this week. He's, He's very cheap, great matchup. And he's, you know, the clear-cut number one wide receiver in Indianapolis. He's a great play, and he's definitely in cash game consideration. And then if we're looking at the mid-range, I think we could see some chalk out of these guys between 6 and 7K. I think if Antonio Brown is out and it looks like he could be out again this week, Chris Godwin is only 6400 So Godwin got a $500, you know, price increase going on the road against New Orleans. So I think he is in play. Calvin Ridley is 6,600 again. And the underlying usage is great for Calvin Ridley. 23 targets over the last two games and 44 targets over the last four games. The box score just hasn't been there. The fantasy points haven't been there. So I think he is definitely due for, you know, a little bit of regression positively I think he is in cash game consideration and honestly you could play Deontay Johnson you could play Keenan Allen like all of these guys get targets so this mid-range is loaded and this is kind of where I want to stay in cash games this week yep I agree definitely the point on both the guys who were chalky last week Godwin figures to be in another great spot I mean, the Bucks were still passing in an absolute blowout deep into the fourth quarter, like getting Godwin his 100-yard bonus. So, like, <laughs> I think regardless of script, Godwin's a phenomenal play, especially with A.B. out or, or, you know, likely to miss. He was seen with crutches at practice today on Wednesday. You know, Ridley, 6,600, you said it all. He is just too talented and has too good of a role to remain producing the way he has. And yeah, Deontay Johnson, I mean, this dude gets an insane amount of targets at 6,700. I like all of those plays at wide receiver this week tight end I don't know, man. What's your lean? Where do you think people go this week? It's it's kind of ugly, as is usually the case. So obviously, we're never paying up, so that kind of eliminates the top four or five guys. If we're, if we're looking in this 3K range, I, I think you're looking at Ricky Seals-Jones or Logan Thomas. If LT3 comes back, he's 3,900, and then RSJ is 3,800. So those two guys are interesting, especially if, you know, Logan Thomas is out, then you get RSJ as a 99% snap player once again. And then I think if Logan Thomas comes back, he just takes over that role completely. You're going to get a 99% snap guy out of one of those two guys. So they're definitely in play. Uh, And then if we're looking a little bit lower, you know, you can go to... Cole Komet, again, 3,100, but obviously we we all know the Bears' problems on offense, so that it, it is kind of thin, but if you have to, you can. Gerald Everett is fine, whatever. I think a good punt option is Dan Arnold at 2,800. You know, the, the 
Jags went out, got him from Carolina. He's been utilized a little bit so far in this Jaguars offense. I think he is a pretty solid athlete. And at 2,800, really all you need for him is to get four or five targets. He has 13 targets over his last two games. So, you know, if you're going to get six, seven targets out of Dan Arnold at 2,800, I don't care if he puts up five points. The usage would just be too good to pass up. So I think Dan Arnold right now is my lean in cash games. Yep, I'm right there with you. You know, his first game when he was traded week four, he only played 32% of snaps, but after getting a little more acclimated the following two weeks, five and six was 73% and 62% of offensive snaps, you know, saw 13 targets in those two games. So I like Dan Arnold quite a bit. You're getting a good role for a player that's 2,800 and, you know, he's good salary relief. Obviously, we always want to take the salary relief at the tight end position. So, I mean, anytime we have one of these tight ends that are viable sub 3K, it's pretty hard to not just go there and cash and, you know, sort of see what happens. And so I like Dan Arnold quite a bit this week. For your New England Patriots, how do you feel about Hunter Henry this week? Revenge game against the Chargers. Jonu Smith seems unlikely to play, although I I mean, I I don't know how much that actually boosts Hunter Henry's role because Jonu was basically just blocking for, for the majority of his time in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, Janu did have five targets last week, and, you know, he, he's been utilized a little bit in the passing game, but Hunter Henry looks to be, like, the clear-cut pass catcher out of the two. So far this season, he's going on, you know, four straight games with a touchdown. It's a good spot for him going up against the Chargers, who are one of the worst defenses against tight ends. They're giving up six catches per game to tight ends, a little over 19 DraftKings points to opposing tight ends, which is second worst in the NFL. So at 4,200, Hunter Henry is definitely in play. I just think the target potential is, is so wide that I probably wouldn't play him in cash because he could get one target or he could get six. Uh, you, you just don't know. The, the role changes every single week with these Patriots guys. So wouldn't be able to trust him in cash, but he, he's definitely in play for GPPs. And I, I think he is, you know, a pretty solid play uh, this week at tight end for 4,200. I agree. I also like Tyler Higby this week. I mean, he's probably out of reach for cash just because he's 4,500, but Houston's been getting obliterated by tight ends. Higby is number one at the position in red zone targets, but he only has two touchdowns, which is like 11th at tight end. So, I mean, I think that, you know, with a high powered offense, that's going to have an implied team total at or above 30 every single week, Higby's bound to, you know, capitalize on some of this opportunity eventually. And he's good leverage off of Cooper Cup every single week for tournament. Yeah, I definitely like Higby, 4,500. He, he's he's a fine play. He gets targeted and, you know, has a 13% target share. Good offense. The The floor, I think, is pretty good for a tight end. You know, he, he probably has, what, a 7, 8-point floor and 20-plus upside. So at 4,500, you'll take that all day, every day, especially this week where the tight end pool, you know, we don't really have many options. I think this is one of the weeks where a tight end, like Higby can easily separate from the field if things go his way and you know they're playing Houston so yeah Yeah. could easily happen (laughs) right we're we're probably not in need of 30 points to win a GPP at tight end on a slate with no Kelsey no Waller no Mark Andrews I, I think that we could definitely ship everything with you know 10 to 15 at the tight end position so definitely in play for tournaments and speaking of tournaments we can just hop right into leverage stacks and long shots 
What are you thinking in terms of leverage on the field this week? I think the ownership will be spread out once again. We have a lot of options. Obviously, Cooper Cup should be stone chalk this week, right? And I and the way to get leverage off of Cup is, you know, by playing his counterparts. Like you said, play Higby or you could play Woods at the wide receiver position, whatever. Those are great. But I think the best leverage is just to uh to fade him and play one of Mike Williams or Diggs right right below him. I don't know how much ownership you would project for those two guys, but I think Mike Williams could come in, you know, around 10%, maybe a little bit lower. Same thing with Diggs who's 8100. I think majority of people are just going to find their way up to cup and I think these are two great spots for Diggs and Mike Williams and obviously their upsides are just as high as Cooper Cups this season. So Diggs and Mike Williams are definitely two of my favorite tournament plays at wide receiver, and I'm definitely going to have a lot of exposure to both of their offenses and get off the Rams offense for leverage. But the the Rams every week can can win somebody a million dollars. So definitely going to play them too, but Diggs and, and Mike Williams seem like great leverage pieces this week. Yeah, Dig, Diggs is for sure a great play. I mean, I think that his ownership is going to be pretty high. I mean, I think he just sort of gets taken along with Josh Allen, who's a standout play, and a lot of people will just, you know, default to playing the two of them together. So I, I mean, I don't think Diggs is going to sneak by anyone. Could definitely see Mike Williams getting overlooked. This week, DJ Moore is a player who's had a couple of shaky weeks in a row, but he's still accounting for like 50% of the Panthers receiving yards in a given week. So I like him at 7,200 if we get an ownership discount. One of the ways that I want to find leverage, because like, while I think getting leverage off Cooper Cup is strategically sound, it's also really tough to do because he is such good chalk. I would want, I would want to be finding my ways off players that I think are like sketchy chalk, like Kenny Gainwell. So I mean, you can get direct leverage by playing Boston Scott, who's $600 cheaper and could easily end up being the more productive back between the two in a given week. And I also think that probably a better leverage play than, than you know, settling for Boston Scott, whose ceiling is relatively low, would be, you know, going after the Philly passing game and, you know, just going back to Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and hoping that one of them hit with Jalen Hurts. I mean, I think that Miles Sanders being out doesn't you know, automatically mean that the Eagles rushing attack is suddenly going to be good. Like it's very, very possible that both Gainwell and Scott bust and, you know, the only rushing asset worth having in Philly is Jalen Hurts. Like it's kind of been all season. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree 100%. Uh, Dallas Goddard is a pretty solid place. 4,700. Don't think he'll have much ownership. Devontae Smith never has ownership either. And they're playing the Lions. And like you said, their their run game will probably hurt even more now without Miles Sanders, right? Because Miles Sanders is actually a talented running back. And Kenny Gainwell and, and Boston Scott probably aren't moving the needle in, in terms of, you know, their rushing attack. So definitely think Jalen Hurts is the guy that is going to get a majority of the rushing opportunity, I think. And those guys are are definitely good fades, especially Kenny Gainwell. Boston Scott is cheap enough where, you know, I think he is definitely in consideration and you could play him like in large field tournaments. But other than that, the the ceiling is so low on Boston Scott, I probably want to go there. But I definitely like the Devontae Smith and, and Dallas Goddard call for sure. Stacks, who are you looking to stack in tournaments this week? I mean, bro, just stack the Bucks, <laughs> stack the Rams, and stack the bills and sail to the money. Like you don't have to get different. I don't think. 
Just play the best stacks. That is my revelation after seven weeks of football in 2021. Why am I not playing these stacks in tournaments every week? The Bucks have been on the main slate like every single week. And I don't think I've ran a Buck stack one time this year. Like, what am I doing? Why is my <laughs> GPP process so bad that I'm fading a team that is throwing the ball at a historic rate? Like, I don't know. Why is it? <laughs> Bro, I'm telling everybody, if you're listening, all you have to do is play the Bucks, play the Rams, and you will win money. That's it. Easy game. So, those are my two favorite stacks. Bro, we're, we're, we're trying to help people win money, okay? that That's the whole premise of the podcast, is to try and help people win money, improve their process, whatever. Right. If you want to win money in 2021, you play the Rams, you play the Bucks. You fill out your lineup with some, you know, leverage plays. If you tune into Saturday, we'll go more in depth on on the leverage plays when ownership will be settled and we'll know who's chalk and whatnot. But as it stands right now, play Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, play Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and you will win money. If you're playing on FanDuel or DraftKings, you will win money. I guarantee it. Wow. All right, man. I mean, I, I was about to sit here and talk about like you know, Jameis Winston to Marquez Callaway no. for the revenge game. No. I, was, I was about to sit here and talk about Trevor nope. Lawrence doubles. Nope. And I feel like I'd just be wasting the people's time. You heard it here first. The Brady doubles, the the Josh Allen doubles, the Stafford doubles. Like It's, it's that's an all easy you, game. All you need to do. That's all, that's all you. I'm not even trolling. That's the funny part. Like, God, that that is all you have to do. I mean. Yeah, you you can play one of these cheap quarterbacks like you mentioned, Jameis Winston. It is a good spot for him, Tampa Bay. Just the Saints have no pass catchers, so who are you going to stack them with? Traquan Smith? Nah, Traquan and Jameis were getting into it on the sidelines. There's beef. That's got to be a bounce back spot, no? 3,900? Maybe. Or maybe we could play Marquez Callaway, the people's champ. Marquez Callaway is dog water. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Like you, you can't stack Jameis, even though like he's he's a solid play and it is a revenge game. And you know I like Jameis. I think he could be a good fantasy player, obviously, but not with this group of uh, skill position players that Jameis is running out. But I guess the player that we really didn't talk about that I think is a great play this week is Camara at eighty seven hundred. You know he's coming off of what I think is his highest touch game ever, thirty touches last week against Seattle. 11 targets, 10 catches, 128 yards and a touchdown. You know, he's put up back-to-back great weeks, and it looks like the Saints are finally starting to use him in the role that we thought he would have for the beginning of the season, and that is the elite pass-catching role that he normally has had in 19 targets over the last two weeks. If that sustains for the rest of the season, I mean, Kamara is going to come back into almost lock consideration in ter- in terms of DraftKings. We didn't play him early in the season. The role wasn't there, but God, if this if this is his role where he's going to see more work than ever before and he's the only pass catcher capable of doing anything on on the Saints, 8700 is too cheap for Kamara and I don't, I don't really care about, you know, Tampa. I I think Kamara is going to be used more as a pass catcher than than a rusher. Yeah, I agree. I'm really interested to see what Camara's projected ownership comes in at just because like if if he's super low owned because I mean you said it like we kind of glossed over him. I think 
a lot of people are going to gloss over him just for the fact that it's been like beaten into our brains that you don't play running backs against Tampa Bay this season. But I mean, yeah, like if, if this is a player who's, you know, has 11 targets in his range and has, you know, some of the most elite talent at the position in the league, he's got to be in consideration regardless of matchup. And if we get him at low ownership, he's an absolute smash this week. So definitely agree with you there. I mean, he, I mean, shit, he could be the the stack partner with Jameis Winston. If he's getting 11 targets, he's damn near a wide receiver. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that you can uh, stack both of them up, um, and, and that would be solid. And then obviously the the bringbacks are, are good too. I just think Jameis's ceiling is just so low due to his current situation. And a lot of these quarterbacks at the bottom of the pool, I think their upsides are, are just really low i mean sam darnold 5600 I, gu- I guess it's fine you know going up against atlanta in a dome needs a bounce back win especially because of the rumors that the panthers might trade for watson if you want you can you could play sam darnold that's fine and we d- we did see tua win people gpps last week and he was kind of the cheap quarterback that you needed and one of these guys usually does go off every week so carson wentz is in a good spot sam darnold is in a good spot so i'll have exposure to some of those guys but i won't go too crazy with them and i'll just stick to you know the the tom brady's josh allen's of the world where i where i know i'm gonna get 30 plus most likely but but i think for tournaments obviously we know the stacks they they are gonna play so the way that the way to get different is obviously running back and wide receiver. So who's your favorite GPP running back this week? And who's your favorite GPP wide receiver this week that you, that you think will come in at lower ownership? So one of my favorite running back long shots this week, I mentioned it briefly is miles Gaskin. He's cheap and very quietly is third in the NFL and running back targets has 20 over the past two weeks. I like his upside. He's shown it this year. He had a you know, 32 point game in week five, also against Tampa Bay, which is interesting in terms of being a pass catching running back who had 10 receptions, uh, you know, speaking to Camara's case, but with Gaskin, he's cheap. He's 5,600. I think he's leveraged at the position off of, you know, all the 6k guys who people are going to gravitate towards off of Herbert and Mitchell priced right below him. And this is a game script that should favor him. You know, the, the bills are massive favorites and Malcolm Brown left the game with an injury. So that reduces the backfield splits to just Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed. So, you know, Gaskin should be the clear guy there. I know it's a tough matchup against Buffalo, but if he's getting a bunch of targets, I think that that's sort of mitigated and we've seen the Dolphins really shift to being a pass happy team uh, over the over the course of the year and you know two has attempted 87 passes over his past two games and he's had a really strong completion percentage as well so I, I like Miles Gaskin as sort of a long shot running back punt this week and wide receiver I, I mean I don't know if this is going to actualize yet I mean I could be totally off with this but I do think because of the price and because of T Higgins chalk, like Jamar Chase might not get out of control this week at 7,500. And like we talked about it on the last episode of the podcast, like Jamar Chase to me in terms of 2021 fantasy football production is right in the Cooper Cup, Mike Williams, Devontae Adams tier. Like this man is unreal. He's he's a walking 70 yard touchdown waiting to happen. I think everybody is going to, you know, get sucked into the projections. T Higgins is going to project really well. He's going to be stone chalk. And if we get sneaky Jamar Chase against the Jets secondary because he's priced at 7,500 and people are going to be prioritizing Diggs and Cup and, you know, playing Higgins in that same offense. Like, God, like the upside on Chase is so high as we've repeatedly seen this year. Yeah. It's just, you know, are you scared of it being an even week? Week eight, even week. He only scores 13 points on even weeks. Did you know that? 
I did not know that. I did not if know you, that. If you look at his game log, week uh-huh. two, 13.4. Week four, 13.7. Week six, 13.7. So he only scores 13 points on his even weeks. So we might be looking at another 13-point week for Jamar Chase this week. So I don't know if you can play him. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty compelling. I'm going to have to readjust my projections. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about uh, Debo Samuel, who is $100 right below him? He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in terms of usage right now. Um, He's the first look in the passing game. Obviously, no George Kittle there. Ayuk is irrelevant. 7,400. Obviously, we know the Bears just aren't good at all. And the upside, I think, is, is very high with Debo Samuel. So how do you feel about him? Yeah, wide receiver two in fantasy points per game this season. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Yeah, it's like it's interesting, but it kind of goes back to the same point that I had about the running backs in that game. It's like I just I just don't want exposure to this game. I guess like a Debo one off if his ownership is good is is certainly in play. Like, I mean, he he's obviously been like dynamite this year. He's been great. So I'm not opposed to it. But it's just it's just hard for me to go there and like pick Debo Samuel, who's attached to, you know, god awful Jimmy G in that spot when I could just mm-hmm. go up to Chase or, or, you know, go up to Mike Williams or Diggs or Cup. It's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not I'm not in love with the play, but I get it for sure. Yeah, I, I'd like I like Debo this week. And I, I just think this this range right here of like 7K to, to 77 is going to come with lower ownership. So I like Mike Evans, DJ Moore, Debo Samuel. They're all pretty solid plays. In terms of my favorite running back long shot this week that I think is going to have little to no ownership is Michael Carter at 4,900. I played him last week at 4,700 against the Patriots, and obviously it's the Jets. Terrible offense, right? The the touchdown expectation is very low, but we've seen kind of a changing of the guard in terms of running back opportunity and snaps. In New York, Michael Carter played on 72% of the snaps to Ty Johnson's 32%. Tevin Coleman is hurt right now in terms of targets. Michael Carter had nine targets in week seven. Ty Johnson had seven. So so they both got targeted last week. But Michael Carter, I think, is the preferred option in the Jets offense moving forward. And he had 19 touches to Ty Johnson's 11. Obviously, it's a Jets running back, whatever. Like, you can't really expect them to to do well. But he scored 10-plus points in four out of his last five games. If he sees six targets a week, which I, I think is definitely possible with Mike White, the starting quarterback now, he's just going to look to check down the ball. Like, he, he's not going to go through his progressions and move the ball deep downfield. No, he's just going to dump it off to Michael Carter. The Bengals are the second worst defense in terms of receptions allowed to running backs, giving up a little over seven catches to running backs per game. They're giving up over nine targets to the running back position per game, second worst in the NFL, only behind the New York Jets. So this is a game where the running backs can feast and Michael Carter at 4,900 is a good salary saver, good leverage off of Gainwell. So he is my long shot GPP running back of the week. Uh, I like that one quite a bit. I mean, I've got him starting in a couple of season long leagues. Michael Carter's role is just 
really good at, at this point. And I agree, like just with Mike White starting, what are they going to do? Like they're going to have to dump it off. And this sets up well, like you said, Cincinnati allowing the second most receptions to the position uh, of anybody. Good leverage off gain. Well, I'm right there with you. I like that play. You 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 need what, 15 to 18 points for it to, to work out, which I think he could definitely get if he gets catches and you're not expecting a hundred yard day out of him, but if he could rack up catches and, and get some attempts on the ground like he, he's a pretty solid play in my opinion and, and nobody's going to talk about Carter this week so great play any anybody else that you would like to discuss for tournaments Nah, man. I mean, I think that that kind of sums it up. Like, I know that we kind of moved past the stacks. Like, I do want to have some exposure to Justin Herbert and Mike Williams stacks this week. I think it's interesting with a Damian Harris bring back, you know, the Chargers are a complete run funnel and we saw Harris finally flash some ceiling. He's got back-to-back 100-yard rushing games, three touchdowns over the last two weeks. So Damian Harris, I think is interesting. It, It should be a spot where he's featured against the Chargers run defense. And, you know, obviously, Herbert to Mike Williams is one of the higher upside stacks that you can find in the league right now. Yeah, I, def- I definitely like that. Um, the Patriots lost Jonathan Jones, who was their cornerback uh, two to IR. So the Patriots are thinned out in terms of the cornerback position right now. And I think it is a good spot for the Chargers pass catchers. It's just if the Chargers get out to a lead, I think they will abandon the run game of uh, the Patriots, that is. And Damon Harris hasn't been the pass catching back. That has been Brandon Bolden, who was 4,500. He had a pretty solid game last week. He had seven targets, six catches for a touchdown. Probably wouldn't play him. That's Galaxy Branding too much. But the Patriots have allowed Mac Jones to go into shotgun, go into spread offense when they get down. So I think they're one of the teams that play to the script. You know, if they're up, they're just going to grind the clock, run the ball down. But if they're down, they're going to allow Mac to throw the ball. So I definitely think some of the Patriots pass catches are in play for the bring back instead of Damian Harris. Uh, you know, you got Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne is, is 4,500 and he's been pretty solid over the last you know month or so. He has one game with under 10 points. He gets targeted and he's a part of this Patriots offense like he he's out there quite a bit and him and Mac Jones have a pretty solid connection so I think he is a pretty solid running back too I definitely like that stack but for me I'm playing the Bucks I'm playing Tom Brady doubles I'm playing Josh Allen doubles with Cole Beasley Sanders Diggs I'm playing Matt Stafford doubles and I'm calling it a day that's it. All right. You know, I think that that just about sums up our thoughts on tournaments. Joey, before we get out of here, best bets on the week. Last week, you split one and one. I, I hit the one, one and one with a win, a loss and a push. What are you looking at for the best bets this week in the NFL? Yeah. So I think that this week, the Seattle Seahawks will come out and get a dub. So I'll take another line. I think Seattle minus three is a pretty good line for Seattle. I mean, obviously, Geno Smith is horrible, but the Jaguars are an abysmal franchise. Seattle is a tough place to play, as we saw on Monday night. I just think they come out and and get a dub at home. You know, they haven't won a game yet at home. Their fans are going to be loud. They're going to be ready. And the Seahawks minus three, easy lock. And then I'll take another one. I'll take the Rams minus 14 and a half. Um, The Texans just will not be able to compete with the Rams in this spot. 14 and a half. Obviously, it's a big spread. I'm not too worried. And I think a majority of big favorites actually do cover. So 
14 and a half. That's easy cash. That that's my stone lock of the week. Rams minus 14 and a half. It's funny you say that because I have a spread written down as well, and it is Rams to cover 14 and a half against Houston. I mean, dude, over the last two weeks, Houston has been outscored 62 to 8 <laughs> by the Colts and the Cardinals. And the Rams are the best offense they'll have faced in that group. I know the Cardinals are good, but I mean, goddamn, dude, the Rams are gonna win this game by 20. So yeah, I think they cover that 14 and a half pretty easily. And then I've got a prize picks player prop that I like right now. And that is Aaron Jones to score a touchdown. Uh, You know, they've got it at 0.5 touchdowns, rushing and receiving. I think that he gets there one way or the other. I mean, they've got no Devontae Adams. They've got no Lazard. Like, I I think that this game is going to feature Aaron Jones. I think it's going to feature A.J. Dillon. And I mean, Aaron Jones is the best pass catcher on the team right now. And he's he's a clear-cut threat in the red zone. I think he scores a touchdown here. Not sure what I'm going to pair it with on prize picks at this moment. So, you know, keep an eye. We have a Best Bets channel in our Discord that you can take a look at. And, And we post things in there throughout the week as well. But Aaron Jones to score a touchdown feels like a pretty solid bet for Thursday night football this week. Yeah, I like that bet. I mean... No Lazard, no Devontae Adams. He is going to get fed. And like you said, he's going to score a touchdown one way or the other, receiving or rushing. Pretty solid pick there. And I just can't wait for, you know, the sports books to actually get in New York so we don't have to like go offshore and place the bets on the spread or we don't have to play prize picks where you have to make it a parlay to technically make it a DFS contest. Like I just want to single bet all of these because I lose every prize pick somehow. Yeah. Two pick power play. I'll go one and one. Never fails. I I don't know, man. That That shit just pisses me off, man. You always lose one. That's why parlays just aren't profitable, you know? And I mean, obviously, everybody loves parlays. The payouts are great, especially with like lines and, and underdogs and whatnot. If you're, if you're betting that, parlays are great, but they're just bankroll burners, prize picks. I mean, it's designed for you to not have any EV. Obviously, you could, you could beat, you could still beat the books if, if you're sharp and you're doing research, but betting parlays is just not profitable in my opinion in the long run yeah no i agree like i mean i'm looking at dk sportsbook and you can get aaron jones plus 650 to be the first scorer in that game like i would i would fucking hammer that if i could but (laughs) we'll see how that goes um i mean there's some hope for us new yorkers it has been legalized it's just in the process of like actually coming to us they say we'll have it by the Super Bowl, and I mean, God, can't wait for that. I, it'll be a big part of the show next year, I think, when we're actually able mm-hmm. to participate. So ugh, the sooner that comes, the better. But that, I think, is going to be it for episode 174 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover, Joey's at Joey Carey and DFS. For more Week 8 NFL DFS content, you can check out our YouTube channel, The DFS Dose, where we post multiple videos per week. And we will be live this Friday evening to revisit the slate and give our updated thoughts as the week develops. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.